When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Douglas Murray on Uncensored. Tonight, Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton and Professor Stephen Hawking are among the high-profile people named in bombshell documents connected to Jeffrey Epstein. But are we missing the most important figure in all of this? Jeffrey Epstein himself. We'll investigate. And do court cases and ballot bans only make Donald Trump's chances of winning the White House stronger? We'll look forward to the US presidential election that will shape the world. And from James Bond to Doctor Who, our trigger warnings and an obsession with inclusion and diversity ruining our most loved shows. Actor and comedian James Dreyfus will join me live. Live from the News Building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening and welcome to Uncensored, where it's my final night holding the fort for Piers. He's going to be back on air next week. However, if you're missing Mr Morgan's hot takes on the really big topics, then he is still very active on social media. Here's one of his overnight posts. We're three days into the transfer window and Arsenal still haven't signed a striker or even made a move for one. What the hell are you waiting for, Arteta? Arteta? Well, we're all thinking it, aren't we? even if we're not saying it. Anyway, on to other matters. And there really is only one place to start this evening. Court files and documents containing previously hidden identities of people associated in some way with the late notorious sex offender Jeffrey Epstein are now unsealed. And the names revealed are a mix of the scandalous President Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew the surprising Professor Stephen Hawking, and the truly surreal David Copperfield, the magician. Now, the first thing that has to be said is that the inclusion of a name in the documents doesn't mean that that person is guilty of any illegality or, indeed, inappropriateness. But, let's be honest, being on Jeffrey's secret list isn't something you'll be rushing to put in the hobbies and interests section of your CV. Overall, however... My take on this dark story is that even with the list now out in public, there are still more questions than answers. And the number one question for me is this. Who exactly was Jeffrey Epstein? 
Was he merely a very rich sex offender with a lot of famous friends who enjoyed taking a ride on his private aeroplane or visiting his luxury island? Or was there something else going on? One theory, which I myself have heard from trusted associates, is that Jeffrey Epstein was an invention, deliberately and carefully created by those who wanted to keep an eye, perhaps even a leash, on the rich and powerful. Here's a friend of mine, the physicist Eric Weinstein, talking to my guest from yesterday, Chris Williamson, about his meeting Jeffrey Epstein for the first time. And my take on it instantly was this is not an actual human. This is a construct of someone's. Someone has created a fake human being called Jeffrey Epstein, who's a mysterious currency trading financier with crazy rules so that no one would ever invest with him. And I think that was to keep people from seeking his investment services. I mean, he, you know, he, he's labeled disgraced financier, but nobody has a record of trading with him. And so the theory goes, Epstein was an asset created in order to trap powerful people in compromising positions, which could then be used in order to control them. The Russians call that Compromat, and they are very good at it. Now, I don't know if this is even close to being true, but I will say this. In 2024, simply claiming something is a conspiracy theory doesn't necessarily make it false. Not anymore. And the more that comes out about Epstein, including the still very mysterious circumstances surrounding his death in custody, means that I'm willing to at least consider alternative narratives other than the one being fed to us through official channels. Now, joining me now is the author and investigative journalist, Vicky Ward, the author of War Against the Jews, and Jeffrey Epstein's former lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, and the man I mentioned in my monologue, physicist and podcaster, Eric Weinstein. Thank you all so much for being with me uh, tonight. First of all, uh, Vicky Ward, if I may, you wrote, uh, uh, commissioned to write uh, an incredibly important article way back in 2003 uh, about uh, Jeffrey Epstein. It was called The Talented Mr. Epstein. And you've since said that there were significant efforts to sort of keep some of your revelations out. Uh, what exactly happened there? Well, you know, what happened there was Jeffrey Epstein. Um, you know, he was an extraordinary manipulator, not just of uh, young, vulnerable women, but of rich, powerful men. And, you know, uh, what happened in my reporting was that, uh, you know, I still don't know all of the details, but I had uh, the on-the-record allegations of... Uh, two sisters, two women. Um, and, you know, those those allegations were cut from uh, my story. And, you know, Jeffrey Epstein had gone to great lengths to meet with then editor, editor of uh, Vanity Fair. Um, and at the same time, you know, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein was a formidable person uh, to write about. You know, he, he threatened me. I was pregnant with my children. And he told me that he, if he didn't like what I wrote, he would... Uh, have a witch doctor place a curse on my unborn children. He told me he'd found out where I was giving birth. Uh, you know, I, I, I add, this didn't stop me from reporting the absolute uh, 
best that I could. And I did debunk some of the claims he made about his own financial professional life. Um, but, I, you know, the whole thing was, Douglas, a nightmare. Mm. Can I ask you also, Vicky, just quickly, um, were there any of the names that were released today which surprised you? No. I didn't know about um, David Copperfield, and I don't think I'd read um, about Stephen Hawking. But no, they didn't. They didn't surprise me. I mean, you know, I've been covering this story for over two decades, so I was very familiar with a lot of this. I mean, what it just did was solidify a picture by putting specific names in places. But I think that, unfortunately the documents still don't show a different part of Jeffrey Epstein's life, which is the manipulation of the powerful people. It was it was a horrific portrait of uh, this horrific sexual subculture in his homes, but it didn't explain why people like Bill Clinton um, and massive philanthropists like Leslie Wexner, why they wanted to be around this man. And I'm sure your other guests are going to have a lot of insight into that because it, it wasn't because he had a whole group of, of underage women around him. Um, thank you, Vicky. Can I just come next to Alan Dershowitz? Um, thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz, for being with us. Um, first of all, of course, you were Epstein's lawyer at one point and you were also named in these uh, released documents today. How do you respond to this? Well, first of all, the woman who accused me has now admitted that she may have confused me with someone else, may have been a case of mistaken identity, and she's uh, dropped all of her legal charges. I first met Jeffrey Epstein. I was introduced to him by the lady Rothschild, um, and uh, um, she asked me to meet him because he was a major contributor at Harvard, and uh, I agreed to meet with him and I went to some seminars that he conducted at Harvard, president of Harvard, with uh, major, major academic uh, uh, figures. But uh, from the day I met Jeffrey Epstein until the day he died, I have had sexual contact with one woman and one woman only, my wife. And so I was one of those who wanted these papers to be released. My disappointment is that only some have been released. I want everything to be released because they will confirm the fact that I did nothing wrong. And they would also shed light on other people who have been uh, accused, some truthfully, some, uh, falsely, some falsely. But um, well, the key point is that uh, we can't have just partial uh, releases of material. In many of these cases, the accusation is there, but the rebuttal is not there or the disproof is not there. So for the public to form a valid judgment, uh, you need a full release. I don't need that because in my case, the woman who accused me has admitted that she may have mistaken me for someone else, but I think others may very well need the full evidence to be exculpated and to prove but some don't want it because well, they may very well on that very just very quickly i mean president clinton is mentioned more than 50 times in these documents and he maintains he never visited epstein's island uh, donald trump's also mentioned in there but uh, should do you think politicians and others should explain their exact links with jeffrey epstein yeah, for example, I'll give you a story. I was having dinner, this is a name-dropping story, with Caroline Kennedy, the former president's daughter, and her husband, and Bill Clinton, and another couple. And the phone rang. This was on Martha's Vineyard. And the Secret Service, he was president. The Secret Service gave him the phone. He went away, walked for about 15 minutes, had a vibrant conversation. I didn't hear it. 
And then he came back with the phone and saying, Alan, somebody wants to say hello to you. And he handed me the phone. It was Jeffrey Epstein. So uh, this was way before any accusations or anything was suggested about Epstein. But obviously, Clinton and mm. Epstein had a, had a friendship. And in most cases, in my example, my friendship totally terminated the day the accusations came out. I did serve as his lawyer, but never again socialized with him once I had heard these accusations. I think that's probably true of some people. In other cases, people continued to have a friendship with him, even after he served his sentence in prison. And they do have some explaining to do, but that let, doesn't prove guilty. Let, they prove let, just bad. Let, let me bring in Eric Weinstein, who's been patiently waiting in L.A. Uh, Eric, we, uh, we heard earlier a bit of uh, your description of Jeffrey Epstein. You met him once more than 20 years ago. Can you just quickly, briefly recap your, what your impression was? Uh, simply that um, he uh, was introduced to me um, in a financial context. I was uh, interested in investment in a so-called uh, carry trade in foreign exchange. He didn't seem to have any interest in that. Uh, he said that he was a uh, currency trader. Uh, there was no obvious evidence that he was a currency trader. He didn't speak like one. Um, and he seemed to be very interested, as per the uh, previous comment about Stephen Hawking, um, in my work on what might be called post-Einsteinian physics. In particular, if you check out his sponsorship of a conference that he held in the Virgin Islands called Confronting Gravity, um, he was very interested in um, science. This obviously is an area with potential military applications. It's uh, he was a very strange person from beginning to end. When I don't you, really believe when you say this when you say that that he was a strange person. I mean, describe some of the things that were odd in that first meeting, that meet that one meeting um, you had. Sure, uh, I don't hear anyone mention the fact that he used an American flag as a tablecloth, making his dinner table look like both a coffin and a trap for you to stain the flag of your own country. Uh, he brought in a woman who um, I think he introduced as an heiress uh, who was brawless, that he bounced on his uh, leg at a financial meeting uh, in an attempt to create a distraction. Uh, the whole thing was completely surreal from beginning to end. I think one thing that you can learn about this is that he created an incredibly uh, intriguing world. There was no hint. I think this was like 20, 2003, 2004. So this is before he gets into trouble in Florida. Mm. Um, and, you know, the whole thing was like a scene out of a movie and you both wanted to be nowhere close and to know everything about it. And I walked out of there, called my wife and said, uh, I just met a human being who does not appear to be a normal human being. He appears to be a construct. Somebody appears to have constructed something that looks like a financier but if you scratch the surface, doesn't behave like one, doesn't seem to know a lot about science, although he's very interested in science. Nothing made any sense. Up was down, left was right, black was white. Well, we're going to have to take a short break, but I want to keep all three of you here because I want to get back after the break into this really crucial question of who Jeffrey Epstein actually might have been. Who do we think he was? We'll be talking about that and much more after the break.
welcome back to Uncensored. Still with me today are author and investigative journalist Vicky Ward, author of The War Against the Jews, and Jeffrey Epstein's former defence lawyer Alan Dershowitz, and the physicist Eric Weinstein. Let me just very quickly, Eric, I just wanted to ask you quickly uh, what you were saying before the break. What is the al actual allegation you're making? Who do you think Jeffrey Epstein actually was? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, but I knew that he wasn't who he said he was almost from the instant I started speaking to him. Um, if I had to make a guess and you're calling for speculation, I would say that he really belonged to uh, what is almost certainly the covert operations community and um, that he uh, did not appear to have a prime broker. Nobody seemed to have traded with him. Nobody uh, seems to ask questions uh, around him. So it's very suspicious that we don't, for example, ask for Form 13F. If he was a major hedge fund trader, uh, it's almost impossible to move through the markets without leaving a wake. Uh, if you have to speculate, I would say that he probably belonged to covert operations uh, for one or more um, nations. And that what we're looking at is a very strange, you can shake your head, Alan, but it's also the case that I don't necessarily believe that you stopped associating with him personally uh, at the time of his um, con conviction in Florida, because uh, I think there are pictures of you at the um, Program for Revolutionary Dynamics uh, socializing with Pinker, Trivers. I don't know. You tell well, me. I'm going to have to go back to Alan Dershowitz on that. Alan Dershowitz, how well, do you respond? Well, all before that, uh, no, uh, he was not a member of any intelligence agencies. I'm, I'm quite sure of that. Um, and uh, he was not a hedge fund guy. In fact, once this is a, you never want to tell humorous stories about Jeffrey Epstein, but he once said to me he wanted to sue a newspaper uh, for defamation. And I said, why did they call you a pedophile? He said, no, they called me a hedge fund guy. Uh, he was very upset at being called a hedge fund guy. Um, I, I don't know what his financial business was. But I can be relatively certain he was not an asset for the Mossad. Can I just ask why, Alan Dershowitz, can I just ask why you're so certain about this? Because it, it does seem to be an intelligence-gathering operation of some kind, or a compromat situation, or a blackmail situation, something like that, surely. It's possible, but I never saw any evidence of that. He was a guy from Brooklyn, grew up in Coney Island. He was very curious. He wasn't as smart as he thought he was. He didn't know as much about science as he thought he did. But I can tell you that people like Steven Pinker and people like uh, Stephen Gould and people like uh, uh, the president of Harvard thought he asked good questions during the seminars that we all attended. Those seminars, I never attended a seminar after um, I represented him. My relationship did terminate. I continued to take his phone calls after that. Look, I don't know who Jeffrey Epstein is. He was very, very, I didn't even want to meet him initially. But uh, Lady Rothschild insisted, and then some people at Harvard said they wanted me to put together some people to attend uh, seminars of his, and I did that, and um, and and we learned a lot. I met people at Harvard that I had never known, even been on the faculty for. 50 years, men and women. Vicky uh, Ward, uh, let me just come back to Vicky Ward quickly. Uh, you've been waiting patiently, but um, I mean, a man who apparently boasted to associates that he had compromising material, film footage, and others of important individuals. Uh, and that's not the normal way in which anyone behaves, is it? Right, Douglas. So, I mean, one thing we did learn in the papers that came out last night is that, you know, he did in some of the depositions, ask 
the women who claimed that they were sent out to men to give them very detailed descriptions of what had happened so that he could use it to blackmail them. Um, I've never seen that spelled out quite so specifically before. And then to your point about, you know, the question, who was Jeffrey Epstein? Here's what we do know that is not speculative. He did know the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. He did know Mohammed bin Zayed, the ruler of the uh, United Arab Emirates. Uh, he did know very well Ehud Barak, the former prime minister uh, of Israel, that pictures of all of these men, he, there's a picture of him, uh, I think, I believe with the Pope, there was a picture, uh, a, a picture of him of all sorts of world right. leaders. And, and we know that even after he got out of jail in 2010, you know, um, he, he was clever enough to use the connections he had with the academics with the, the former president of Harvard, with these other world leaders to draw in other billionaires like Bill Gates. He understood how very rich, powerful people around the world connect with each other. He understood what very rich, powerful people want from each other. He understood how to connect the plutocracy and the elite. Does that mean he was an asset? I don't, you know, there is there is speculation, but it, it is he he certainly was a manipulator of the zero point zero zero one percent. Eric Weinstein, quickly, just coming back to you, if I may, quickly. Um, uh, I think a name that quite a lot of people have been rather surprised to see on this list for perhaps several reasons is Professor, the late Professor Stephen Hawking. Uh, what on earth are we meant to make of this? Well, I mean, there's two separate things. One is that. Uh, the state of physics uh, is bizarre in that um, it's one of the most consequential things you could possibly study for military purposes. Um, and at the same time, it has been sort of more or less run into the ground. Um, so Stephen Hawking was uh, of interest probably for the same reason that uh, Jeffrey Epstein was much more interested in talking to me about um, post-Einsteinian gravity than he was in talking about carry trades. And what Professor Dershowitz says is very strange to me because he advertised to me that he was a currency trader uh, running a massive uh, hedge fund out of Ballard House in New York on Madison Avenue. And I dropped off documents there. So something is really not gelling. And one of the really interesting things would be to have very extensive discussions uh, to try to figure out who this person is, because the person who presented himself to me was much more like the person who presented himself to Vicky than the person who presented himself to Alan Dershowitz. Now, what I would say is that he had also extensive contacts, apparently, with the Harvard Mathematics Department, both through Benedict Gross and through uh, Martin Nowak. Um, Harvard is all through the story. And as we are learning, Harvard is a very strange place. I uh, was there for about 20 years. Uh, it is sort of an extension of the US government in an unacknowledged capacity. And it has the only university to really have the power to effectively change the narrative of academics, in particular, very consequential fields. Now, the other thing about Stephen Hawking that you should just know is you should probably do a search on the word San Bernardino and Stephen Hawking. Uh, it was not 
uh, a secret that uh, Professor Hawking had a very healthy appetite for life and that this is not a new revelation, nor is the fact that he was associated with Jeffrey Epstein uh, a new revelation. So that there's something very peculiar about the way in which we are forgetting a tremendous amount. I would also recommend looking up the name Craig Spence if the uh, suggestion that this sounds like a completely insane idea that he was connected to intelligence. Uh, Craig Spence is the antecedent, uh, apparently, of Jeffrey Epstein. It's just very strange that all these things made the papers. There's extensive documentation on the internet. We pretend let that me, we don't know. Let me just go quickly, Alan Dershowitz, I can see, wanted to come back in. Well, of course he knew Stephen Hawking's. There are newspaper reports about Stephen Hawking's having come to a conference on his island where he had conferences. So far, not a single one of the names that have come out uh, has surprised me. I had heard all of it uh, before. But as the judge in the Second Circuit, Cabranes, once said, if there's an accusation made in court papers, it's to be less believed than an accusation made to the media. Because if the accusation is made to the media and it's false, you can sue for defamation. Whereas if the accusation is made in court papers, there's a privilege. And so the judge said, look skeptically at accusations made in court papers. Look, I want everything out. I want all the theories out there, all the documents. Let the public decide. There are people who don't want things. They have things to hide. But people like me who have nothing to hide, who are not in any way embarrassed about any of these revelations, because we know we did nothing wrong. We're the ones who want all these papers out, all these documents out, and I'm hoping the judge will now release everything, every single document. Um, Alan, I find that very interesting because ahead, in part, yeah. yeah, one of the things that I find very intriguing is that Jeffrey Epstein appeared to know all sorts of things about me that were not public and uh, seemed to require almost a periscope into my life, in particular scientific uh, things about me that uh, probably flowed through the Harvard department that I was uh, from which I took my PhD. I don't think that you're grasping how strong the circumstantial case is that this person was somehow uh, attached to intelligence and may have benefited from things like uh, state secret privilege uh, and other forms of exotic in the law. Let me finish with just asking a very quick but Pretty important question of each of you, one by one, if you may, uh, just very quickly. Of course, the other thing that makes the whole thing bizarre is the manner of his death. Did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself, Vicky? I think that whatever happened, uh, he had help. It didn't happen just by himself. Alan Dershowitz? I have the same view. I think he probably killed himself, probably paid off guards to close the TV and other things, but I don't exclude the possibility that there may have been uh, third third parties involved. And I, I'm not sure. That's why I want to complete everything coming out. Enough speculation, enough inference. Let's get to the facts. And Eric Weinstein? If I had to speculate, I would say that I've never met a person less likely to terminate his own life from embarrassment than Jeffrey Epstein. I would put him first on the list of a person who would be undaunted by being worldwide known as a sex offender. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Vicky Ward in New York, Alan Dershowitz in Delaware, and Eric Weinstein in LA. It's a great pleasure to have you all on. Thank you. Now, next on Uncensored. Could Donald Trump return to the White House? And could Sir Keir Starmer be the UK's next Prime Minister? We'll look ahead to a crucial year in politics.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Uncensored with me, Douglas Murray. 2024 will be the biggest election year in history. More than 60 countries representing half the world's population are going to be going to the polls. Notably, both the US and UK will vote, shaping not just their own fate, but the world's too. As Trump's potential candidacy for 2024 looks ever more likely, the efforts to remove uh, him from the ballots uh, raise a critical question. Could these attempts inadvertently play into his favour, actually bolstering his appeal among supporters and contributing to a narrative that fuels his political resurgence. Well, joining me to discuss this from Florida is the political strategist and pollster Frank Luntz. Also, here in London, Talk TV's international editor Isabel Oakeshott, along with lawyer and writer Chris Dorr. Thanks so much for being with me, everyone. First of all, let me come to you, uh, Frank Luntz. I think a lot of people watching might be surprised by the possibility that uh, Donald Trump might be making a return to the White House this year, but it looks possible, yes? It looks, not only does it look possible, but at this point, if the election were held today, it actually looks likely. Donald Trump has been gaining over the last four months. The more indictments, the higher his numbers climb. The more con condemnation, the higher his numbers climb. And you try to throw him off the ballot, his favorability actually increases. There's a level of intensity, a level of commitment among his voters that does not exist for any other candidate. So I'd have to say at this point, Great Britain, get ready because Donald Trump may return. And, and you think that if, if Trump does get the Republican nomination, I mean, he's still, if you add all the other candidates together, uh, they still don't add up to the amount of approval among the base that Donald Trump has. So it seems like a dead set, unless he's somehow knocked out through legal reasons or something. But, but, but you're saying that you think that, that if it's Biden versus Trump, a replay wearing, as it seems, of 2020, you think that uh, the current polls, Trump beats Biden? At this point, 
based on where the economy is, based on foreign policy issues, based on what's happening in the Middle East. And by, by the way, I'm so glad to do this because, sir, you are a hero in America. They appreciate you. They're grateful for you speaking up. And I realize that this isn't quite what this segment is about, but I wanted to do it to thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your courage, for your conviction, for telling the truth. And that is what Trump's people think of Donald Trump. He can disagree with him, but make no mistake, his people believe that Donald Trump tells the truth. They believe it's a witch hunt. They believe he's a victim. They believe this is a persecution. And that's why they back him so strongly. Well, thank you very much for that, Frank Lance. I'll come back to you, but just uh, with me in, in the studio, Isabel Oakeshott, if Donald Trump does become president again in 2024, what does that mean in Britain? Because this country's government doesn't seem prepared for it, and a Labour government certainly wouldn't be. Well, it means a roller coaster ride. I mean, what it would hopefully mean is that the UK-US relations become a little bit more uh, important again. I mean, Trump is an Anglophile. He loves this country. He loved the Queen. He's very uh, pro the UK. Uh, again, it might uh, raise some hopes of a um, UK-US trade deal, uh, which seems to have dissipated. So I think in theory, it would be a good thing. Um, but that said, if we have a Starmer government, you know, probably less so. Well, I was going to say, coming to you, Chris Dorr, I mean, yeah. if Labour were to win the election this year, and all, again, all of the polls would seem to suggest that, if Trump was in the White House and Starmer's in number 10, what does the special relationship look like? Well, I think the, I think the more important thing is it's quite frankly astonishing that anyone thinks that a dangerous sociopath and a, a proven uh, and, and a habitual liar like Donald Trump would be a good thing for anyone, particularly someone who uh, as expresses himself in so many dangerous ways about world affairs, particularly his affinity for Vladimir Putin and so forth. So I, th I think it's... I mean, a, that, it's, that it's, is it's, so it's a, exaggerated, the whole Putin thing. I mean, it's well, such it, it's an old and lazy trope it's as well. I'm sorry to bring up trope. the whole, oh, uh, Trump's really pro-Russian. I mean, honestly, I mean, are we going to really replay this whole thing again? Well, we're not replaying <laughs> it because the fact of it is it's, it's a truth which people... It's uncomfortable which for people. But you're right, it's one of the many hundreds and hundreds but, of problems with Trump actually, as a but, politician. But actually, Chris, what you just said, I mean, there was a whole thing about the Russiagate conspiracy in the US, so, uh, investigations and so on. It came up with a great big nothing burger. I mean, isn't part of the problem, whatever your views on it, I mean, that all the allegations, there are plenty of criticisms you can make of Donald Trump, but whenever you get into the kind of, you know, Russian collusion sort of stuff, isn't that exactly the sort of thing that makes voters no, you're, you're do what Frank right. Luntz is pointing to, which exactly. is they say, you know, well, yeah. everyone's being lying about this guy, we don't yeah. believe anything that the media says, we don't believe anything the commentators say, we're just going to stick with him because he's our guy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and what that says about the vacuum in our politics, not just, not just in the United States, but in the United Kingdom, is it, really tragic, isn't it? That we have an octogenarian, or almost one, we have an octogenarian president, neither of whom really are fit to govern, remotely fit to govern anything, let alone a, a, the, the most powerful country in the world. Where are the young people? Where are the dynamic, well, um, inspirational leaders who can appeal to the whole of the population rather than just narrow partisan... Uh, well, I want to bring Frank Luntz back in on that because, uh, Frank Luntz, if you've just been listening to that, uh, we do have young leaders in, um, in the UK compared to America. Uh, not everyone in UK politics has to be an octogenarian. Um, but would you say that, uh, that uh, the youth that is on uh, Rishi Sunak's side and slightly on Keir Starmer's side as well, do you think it's an electoral advantage for either of them? I don't think it gives an advantage, but most certainly if you're as old as Joe Biden and have trouble completing sentences and doing press conferences and all the things that we expect 
of a presidential candidate. I've heard that the strategy, you can see him moving off that plane very quickly. That's not what he does mm. in most of the appearances. It, people watch him and they think, thank you, sir, for your governance. Thank you for putting America back on the right track, but it's time for you to go. But, but if he does That's, go, Frank, I mean, I mean th th isn't the problem, I mean, for the Republicans have quite a bit of talent actually underneath uh, Donald Trump, in my view. There's, there's a lot of experienced governors and others. It seems that underneath Joe Biden in the Democratic Party, there's very little. I mean, they're, they're not going to run Kamala Harris, are they? I mean, she's got roughly the same approval ratings as the Ebola virus. Yes, she's, that's a very good line. Uh, she's the least popular vice president since Dan Quayle, and huh. he was the least popular vice president since Aaron Burr. You're correct. She is not going to be. By the way, that's how I can tell if anybody watched, watched the play Hamilton. <laughs> uh, she is not going to be the nominee, but there is Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey. There's hmm. uh, uh, Gavin Mitch Newsom. Landry. Gavin Newsom. These are people from the next generation. Anyone, any of these candidates would run better against Donald Trump than Joe Biden. So we have to wonder, why don't they give someone else who's younger the chance? Well, the truth Talk of it is ego. Ego, I'm afraid, and, and the, the hunger for power at all costs on the part of... Uh, of President Biden, which is at utterly tragic for the American people, but sadly is likely to lead to an inevitable well, consequence. Well, talking of a desire for power at all costs, <coughs> Isabel Oakeshott, uh, the Conservative Party is still said to be plotting against Rishi Sunak, all sorts of internal embroilings going on. Uh, is the Conservative Party ever going to pull itself together and survive the next election? I mean, I election? thought what you were going to say is uh, holding on to power at all costs by pushing the election out as far as they can well, humanly we know that make it today, go. And yeah. this was quite a yeah. significant intervention. It didn't strike me as games playing. You know, he no. very naturally said, look, my working assumption is second half of this year. Mm. I think most of us have really thought that's when it would be. He still, of course, has it in his gift to suddenly say in a few weeks' time if something extraordinary happens and suddenly fortunes look better for the Conservatives, he could suddenly say, actually, I'm going to go to the country in May. And uh, just quickly, uh, reform, do they chip away at the Conservative vote? I think the important thing is that they will also chip away at Labour's vote. And quite significantly, if Labour don't start saying something much tougher on immigration, that's going to be a real problem for them. A uh, quick lightning round. Frank Luntz, you think that Donald Trump's most likely to be president in the United States this time next year? At a 51-49 advantage, yes. And uh, who would you bet on as the next prime minister of the United Kingdom? I bet that Labour wins by a reasonably significant margin. Chris? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's spot on. I think, tragically, um, we have a, a void uh, in our politics of, of, of really powerful, inspirational political leaders with policies that have broad appeal and actually would make a difference in our society. And so that means saying... we're left. We're left with the, the, the dross, basically, on both sides of the Atlantic. I don't Did you think... just describe uh, Keir Starmer as dross? No, not personally, but oh, the, okay, Labour, right. the Labour Party... <laughs> just wanted to check that. Labour's not an inspirational party. I don't think they're really getting people on mm. fire in this country. And, and until that happens, as it did, of course with Tony Blair in 97, we're not going to see that kind of movement that makes for real change and real power in it's the hands of a government. That I can you see, agree? I want to see a hung parliament so that the people yeah, of this country get proportional representation. People oh, are too disenfranchised. God. No, I, I agree. Proportional representation. Yeah, there's a move there in the comes... country for it, I tell it. Yeah, I, the tell coalition government I tell you what happens with, what happens with proportional years. representation is you get Italy. No, you don't. But anyway, um, we can come back to that yeah. another night. Thank you all for being with me and thank you to Frank Luntz uh, over there in the US. Now, up next on Uncensored.
trigger warnings and storylines dominated by identity politics. Is the diversity and inclusion agenda ruining TV and film? I'm going to be joined by Notting Hill, Gimme, 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 and the Thin Blue Line star, the great actor James Dreyfus. Welcome back to Uncensored. The British Film Institute has issued the early films in the James Bond series with trigger warnings. And it's not for 007's golden gun, but because they could cause offence today. And it's not just James Bond that's been shaken, if not a bit stirred, with woke controversy. The new Doctor Who was introduced to us at Christmas, shaking his thing in a fetching muscle top and skirt whilst Star Wars announced that their next film will be directed by a feminist who says she enjoys making men feel uncomfortable. It does really seem like South Park hit the nail on the head with this recent skit. Put another gay diverse woman in it, make it more lame. No, what's going on with my stars? No, Is there a problem, people? We were just discussing uh, ideas of what to do with the new Prince Eric movie. Put a chick in it, make her gay! Maybe we should go a different route than we did with Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, put a chick in it and make her name it gay! <laughs> so, is this really the future of what we'll be watching in 2024? Joining me now to discuss this is the actor James Dreyfus. James, thank you so much <laughs> for being with me. Ah, uh, Mr. Murray, we meet at last. I we should have meet a at stroke, last. I? Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me, uh, this. I mean, we, we start. Let's start with James Bond. Uh, does it surprise you that James Bond now needs a trigger warning? No, no, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. To be honest with you, I mean, I've just read their their statement about it, which is whilst we have a responsibility to preserve films as close to their contemporaneous accuracy as possible, uh, we also have a responsibility in how we present them to our audiences. Well, no, you don't. Yeah, um, what does that mean? I, well, I don't know what it means. I mean, back in the day, uh, we had U A A A X, all seemed pretty clear, and uh, the Bond movies. Um, I seem to remember. Well, OK, they're not aimed at children like like uh, Doctor Who is, but uh, the James Bond movies were teenage fair. Um, I, I, I can't even begin to think why any of them have a trigger warning, least of all for John Barry's um, music. You know, one of, one of the uh, things that amazed me about this, James, uh, you, I always sort of think we, we seem to be run by cultural juveniles. Um, if it, I'm just trying to think back on the BFI-released movies that I've seen in the past... I remember about mm. 25 years ago, they released all of the great works of directors like Eisenstein, Pier Paolo Pasolini. Pasolini I saw Paolo, yeah. Pier Paolo Pasolini's uh, Sallow. I wouldn't recommend yeah. it to viewers any more than I would recommend some of the things that Eric Weinstein was recommending you look up in relation to Stephen Hawking earlier. But um, uh, Sallow is probably the most disgusting film I've ever seen. And it's based on the Marquis de Sade's 120 Days of Sodom. Now, if they're going to start putting trigger warnings on James Bond, I reckon the 120 Days of Sodom probably needs uh, some some other kind of extreme warning. Well, you know something, uh, Douglas? I get nervous when I now see films without a trigger warning because I think <laughs> um, 
oh my God, you know, what, what's in this? I mean, I was watching a film this morning. I, I love watching horror films. I'll give you an example. And there was a warning at the start of this movie, which was given by the, um, uh, the directors, actually, saying, we're, we're warning you that sudden shots in this film will contain something that'll upset you in the name of humanity. And then it, I thought, okay, well, I'll steal myself a little bit. And, uh, and the first image I saw was a baby seal being clubbed to death in real life. And so I immediately turned it off and I thought, oh my God, and it's disturbed me all day. That I can understand. Epilepsy warnings, I can understand. Mm. Um, but when you're talking about things like James Bond or even cartoons, I mean, if you mm. really want to uh, uh, go back, put, put, put a disclaimer in front of Bambi. Watership <laughs> Bambi. That's the most, those are yes. the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. I don't understand it, but it gives me a clue here when they say we listen to customer feedback mm. and also continue to work closely with blah 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 now that tells me that they're listening to all the people that complain mm. not the people that are the people they'll never time. call them up and say yeah well now so um, that brings me on to uh, doctor who because uh, You've uh, been involved in Doctor Who, and uh, Doctor Who in recent years really has been following the advice of Eric Cartman in that clip, and being uh, they've been putting a chick in everything and making it lame and as gay as possible, and <laughs> not in a good way. Um, what has happened to it, and what was your own experience with uh, Doctor Who? Well, I had no, I had no experience of Doctor Who uh, until I was asked to play the Master by Big Finish, um, uh, and I signed a uh, letter uh, asking Stonewall for a debate and uh, defending J.K. Rowling from uh, having death threats. And I thought everyone else in the world would sign it, but apparently not. And apparently then a petition was sent to uh, this organisation and I was ceremoniously dumped, but I wasn't even told. So um, I've heard nothing from them. So you weren't, uh, you weren't in the... Doctor Who because you supported J.K. Rowling? They erased me from, uh, 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 or the. I found out because they'd erased me from the front of the CDs. They did a, a, um, a, a show called Masterful, which had a compilation of all the masters that had been played on audio and thing, and I was left out of that. And all they did was put out this rather ambiguous message that transphobia will not be tolerated in any shape or form, which basically said. We believe but, you are a transphobe, and uh, wh wh why, no. Um... Why are they even in this business, James? I, I mean, let me let me just play you a quick clip. This is something yeah. from, from the new Doctor Who. I can't understand how anyone thinks this is entertainment. Let's roll this. Yes, the meat. I promise I can help him get home, and then you'll never see me again. You're assuming he as a pronoun. True. Yes. Sorry. Good point. Are you he or she? Or they? My chosen pronoun is the definite article. I am always the me. I just is this is this is like this is instruction, not entertainment. Well, of course it is. It's. Uh, I mean, I've always said, you know, that this pronoun business is not a question; it's a test. It's a. Yeah. It's a test, and it's now become sort of part of uh, uh, regular daily life. I, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is still, you know, the vast majority of people don't understand, don't understand all this. Um, children don't understand it. I've had members of my family, um, you know, younger members completely 
confused by this stuff and i don't i don't really understand what's it got to do with um enter- it seems like it's no longer just entertainment it always has to have some sort of message and the message is quite niche yes as niche as possible it seems and as well, un- yes, as and as, have, yes. as unamusing as possible and as bland as possible and as predictable as possible it's like seeing an entire well, culture is just sort of made to be exactly the same across the board yeah, it, that's that's how it seems to me. But but the only positive I can see out of this, Douglas, is that eventually, uh, you, you know, this this mask will slip. Uh, mm. th- th- this niche will uh, be burrowed into so so deeply that um, um, uh, people cannot ignore it any longer. So I'm hoping that this is a uh, you know a circle uh, that will eventually end, and we'll just get back to entertaining people. I mean, Doctor Who is for children and it, and it surprises me that they they slip this in because it's obviously nothing to do with doctor who it's to do with this ideology that's happening at the moment and very quickly uh, james dreyfus uh, how come uh, it seems now that everyone's saying you've got to be gay to play a gay character you've got to be trans to play a trans character but yet your former co-star uh, from notting hill uh, hugh grant is allowed to play an oompa loompa without actually himself being an oompa loompa what's the explanation for that well, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. It's I don't know how he got the part, not being an Oompa Loompa. Um, uh, that's the the one. Re- uh, what I don't understand is uh, is um, you have uh, people like Peter Dinklage saying, "Look, we've grown we've grown out of this uh, Snow White and the Seven mm. Dwarves of us have all having have, living in a cave mm. or whatever," uh, which denies work then to little people actors. Uh, we're talking about one person. The last Willy Wonka film had the same right, person right, right. reproduced over and over and over again. I think this is something that's, you know, it, everyone wants to yeah. be... A, this is yeah. what happens when you have identity politics exactly. in the arts. Everyone wants to be a piece of it. Exactly. Thanks so much. Person, okay. Thanks so much for that. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. Uh, that's it from me. And it's been a great pleasure being with you all of this week. Sadly, Piers is back on Monday. Until then, whatever you're up to, make sure it's uncensored. Good night. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.